Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Tzav, it's the second parasha in the book of Vayikra. The parasha continues the themes of the beginning of the book of Vayikra, Korbanot. The function, the uh, primary focus of uh, this week's parasha uh, is the Kohanim. And in that uh, sense, we can say in a very broad sense that the parasha is divided into two parts. The first part of the parasha goes over rules of korbanot, of sacrifices, particularly as they relate to kohanim. Uh, last week's parasha, we talked about uh, korbanot, about sacrifices, but the focus was more on the person bringing the sacrifice and the sacrifice itself. Here, the focus is going to be on the kohanim. The uh, Torah begins by talking about the uh, sacrifice of the Ola uh, that is uh, that is brought in uh, in the morning, and even before this, uh, the, it is necessary to remove the ashes that have accumulated on the mizbeach and uh, on the altar, and uh, the Torah reminds us that there must be a constant fire on the altar. We'll talk more about this at the end. The next uh, part of the parasha talks about the uh, various types of mincha, grain offerings. Uh, when a mincha is offered, then the kohen is required to remove a portion uh, of the flour that is offered, uh, and uh, and that is what is offered on the uh, on the altar. And the rest is eaten by the kohanim. And we're reminded once again that, in general, the mincha must be without uh, chametz, must not be leavened in any sense. We're also taught, uh, and this is a theme that comes up several times, uh, the concept of uh, absorbing taste. Uh, in uh, in other words, uh, when a uh, uh, when a sacrifice is uh, is cooked in uh, in in a utensil of some sort, the utensil itself absorbs, and uh, that uh, must be treated with uh, with respect. Uh, and the utensil itself uh, absorbs the uh, the taste, the what's called the tam, of the thing that is uh, cooked in it. the uh, The next part of the of the parasha uh, deals with a special. Uh, mincha that is brought by the Kohen Gadol. Uh, he brings it every day. Uh, the Kohen Gadol brings it every day, uh, half in the morning and half in the afternoon. Uh, a similar mincha is brought by other Kohanim, but only on the day that they are uh, instated as uh, Kohanim. Uh, there are Certain uh, minachot that are uh, this this mincha is boiled and then baked and then made into wafers and it is burned completely on the altar. Then we move to the subject of the chatat, the sin offering, uh, and the role that the kohanim play in offering the uh, chatat. It is offered in the same place as the olah, 
And uh, in this way, the onlooker doesn't really know whether an ola uh, is being offered or a chatat. Chatat, obviously, is a sign of, uh, of a sin that has been done, albeit inadvertently, uh, whereas an ola usually indicates uh, some striving for some higher level of kedusha. So the onlooker doesn't really know which kind of sacrifice is being offered. Uh, when the chatat is offered and uh, various parts of the korban are offered on the uh, on the altar, uh, the kohanim cook and eat the meat of the chatat. Uh, once again, we have this idea of absorption of taste, that uh, utensils in which something was cooked uh, have, have absorbed and uh, uh, and that has to be dealt with. Uh, we also told that blood from the sacrifice that has uh, spattered on the garment must be washed off. Uh, how to deal with utensils? Well, uh, if uh, it is an earthenware utensil in which something was cooked, then uh, the the utensil must be uh, broken um, because uh, there's no way of extracting uh, what has been absorbed from an earthenware uh, utensil and it uh, would disqualify something else that uh, was cooked in it. Uh, a metal utensil uh, can be uh, purged and cleansed um, of whatever it has absorbed. Um, we're also taught that a uh, that the type of chatat whose blood is brought in the in the sanctuary inside the sanctuary is uh, is burned. Then we proceed to a sacrifice called an asham, which we learned about last time. This is a guilt offering. Last time we talked about the various sins for which one might be required to bring, to bring the uh, asham. Uh, but this time uh, we're talking primarily about the role of the kohanim. Uh, once again, it is offered in the same place as the ola. Uh, so in, because it's brought for sin, once again, we don't know, uh, or the onlooker would not know, uh, what kind of sacrifice is being brought? Of course, the fats uh, are and various parts of the sacrifice are uh, offered on the altar. And once again, the Kohanim uh, eat the rest. Uh, they also receive, the Kohanim also receive uh, the skin of the Ola, uh, because the Ola is completely burned with the exception of the skin. Uh, and Kohanim also receive the remainder of uh, mincha offerings. We're told about two kinds of uh, shalamim. That's the next uh, section, shalamim. And there are two kinds of shalamim. Uh, one is a toda, uh, a sacrifice that is brought because one wants to give thanks to Hashem, um, either because uh, of uh, having gone through a a, a dangerous uh, or, or deadly situation. Um, we usually say that one brings the korban todah primarily for one of four uh, situations. One, uh, one was very sick and recovered. Uh, two, one crossed the ocean. Uh, three, if one has uh, been released from prison or some kind of captivity. And four, if one has crossed the desert. In all those cases, a person will bring a korban todah to give thanks to Hashem. Uh, and this is a type of shlamim. It is offered with, uh, it is brought with different kinds of loaves of bread, some uh, most unleavened, some leavened. Uh, and the 
this toda, because it is a type of shlamim, is eaten by all. Part of it's offered on the altar, part of it's given to the kohanim uh, to eat, and part of it uh, is shared by the person who's bringing it with anyone else he wants to invite, uh, and it must be consumed in one day. That's one kind of shlamim. The other kind of shlamim is one that is brought in order to fulfill a vow. A person has taken a vow to bring a shlamim, and he must... Uh, fulfill his vow that way. Uh, along the way, we're taught about some prohibitions that connect to Korbanot. Uh, one is called notar. If anything is left over or is intended to be left over, uh, it's disqualified. And uh, and another is called pigul, and pigul is something that has actually been eaten past its time. Uh, we are further told about the prohibitions of partaking of any sacrifices while one is in a state of tumah, while one is tamay. Uh, one is prohibited from eating chilev, uh, the hard fats and blood, and this is something that we mentioned last week, and it's repeated uh, several times. Um, the Torah uh, makes an exception. It says that the chelev that comes from a nevela uh, trefa uh, may be used, uh, but may not be eaten. And then the Torah returns to the subject of uh, shalamin, uh, just to remind us of uh, what we mean by nevela and trefa. Uh, nevela is a kosher species of animals that has... Uh, has died, but without proper shechita, without proper slaughtering. Uh, trefa may be, again, a kosher species of animal, um, which may have been slaughtered properly, but nevertheless had a, a significant serious, serious injury uh, that would have resulted in its death. Uh, and uh, and that's what a trefa is. Generally, a nevela and the trefa may not be eaten, but the chelev is permitted. When the Torah returns to the subject of Shlamim, uh, it talks about uh, certain parts of the Shlamim. The chest area of the Shlamim is waved, uh, and the right hind leg uh, is give, of the Shlamim is given to the Kohanim. And then the Torah uh, concludes this whole section about uh, general rules of sacrifices as they apply. Uh, as they apply to the uh, to the Kohanim. The next major section of the uh, parasha is what we might call the Miluim, the installation of the Kohanim. This is, um, these are instructions, which Moshe begins to act on, um, which is uh, installing the Kohanim, that is to say Aharon and his sons, for their position as Kohanim, for the priesthood, uh, for the uh, uh, for all of their tasks, um, <clears throat> we begin with an introduction, which uh, Hashem tells uh, Moshe to prepare for the miluim, and Moshe begins the process. Uh, first, the kohanim are immersed uh, in uh, in the mikvah. Uh, the uh, Aharon is clothed as the kohen gadol with all of his garments, um, and the mishkan itself is initiated, and that means uh, anointing the mishkan and all of its utensils with the special anointing oil uh, and sprinkling oil on the altar seven times, then uh, anointing Aharon and clothing the other uh, kohanim. Uh, Torah goes on to say uh, that uh, other offerings were given, 
the bull khatat, the ram ola, a special second uh, ram, uh, which was uh, offered specifically for the miluim, how it is waved and uh, sprinkling, sprinkling a mixture of oil and blood onto Aharon and onto the other kohanim and onto their clothing. And the Torah concludes by saying, that uh, this uh, process of miluim, installation, investiture, uh, went on for seven days. The Kohen, uh, Kohanim were to, were to cook and eat the meat of the sacrifices, and they were to remain in the Mishkan courtyard for seven days. Uh, this is a period of training uh, where they're being invested, and also uh, they are learning uh, about their tasks as uh, Kohanim. Let's uh, return to the opening part of the parasha, uh, which talks about the uh, process um, of removing ashes from the altar. Uh, the Torah does say that the Kohen uh, who is about to remove the ashes from the altar uh, has to wear uh, his uh, white uh, linen garments, um, and then he is to take up ashes uh, from the from the altar and place them beside the altar, and then he takes off these garments and puts on others and carries the ashes outside of the camp to a clean place. Uh, Halacha identifies that there are actually two kinds of removal of ashes. Every single day, uh, there is an offering of ashes called terumat hadeshen, uh, an offering from the ashes, and that is what is brought. Uh, and placed on the ground near the altar itself. And then there is uh, 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 another removal of ashes, which only takes place uh, when there is an accumulation of ashes uh, that makes it difficult to continue. And then the, uh, the Mizbeach is, is cleared uh, of most of its ashes, not all. Uh, and that those are the ashes that are brought outside of the camp. But what? Uh, but every single day begins even before bringing the very first sacrifice, uh, which is known as the uh, Olat Tamid, the daily uh, burnt offering sacrifice, um, every day begins with an offering of these ashes that are taken from the altar, uh, which has been constantly smoldering uh, throughout the course of the night, and there's a fire in the altar at all times. Uh, these uh, ashes are taken, and uh, uh, removed from the from the mizbeach as a kind of an offering and placed on the ground next to the uh, mizbeach. Uh, Rav Shimshon Ufal Hirsch uh, wants to explain uh, what is the meaning behind this uh, practice, uh, which, as I said, uh, is done uh, every day, and he regards it as a type of an offering. Um, it is an offering taken from that which is, remains from the previous day's uh, offerings uh, and is placed on the ground uh, before beginning the new offerings of the day. Uh, he compares it, first of all, with the offering of the mincha. Remember, when a mincha, a grain offering, is brought, let's say flour, uh, there's a portion of that flour uh, that is removed and placed on the altar. Uh, and uh, Rav Hirsch says that the offering of the ashes is very similar to this. Now, read uh, what Rav Hirsch uh, writes. Uh, of course, this is in an uh, English translation, his original 
uh, was written in uh, in German, uh, but uh, we can read what he uh, what he said. He says, just as the handful of the mincha serves as a remembrance for the whole, that it may be remembered before God, so may this handful of ash of the ashes offering. have been laid down as a remembrance uh, of the devotion represented by the sacrifices of the past day to God and to his holy Torah. If I can uh, add, uh, Rafersh is saying, I think, that, uh, that in the same way as a portion of the mincha is offered, uh, in the same way, the ashes from the previous day's sacrifices uh, are offered as a further offering uh, uh, to, uh, to Hashem. What he learns from this is the connection between yesterday and today. He continues, today brings no new mission. It has only to carry out ever afresh the mission that yesterday too was to accomplish. Again, if I may add, um, Hirsch, remember, uh, lived during a time of uh, rising questioning uh, of the Torah, of the mitzvot, uh, in which there were people who were asking whether the Torah should be, uh, or whether Judaism should be uh, modernized uh, to keep up with the times, uh, keep up with uh, progress. And his point is that the Torah, uh, rather than wanting us to uh, change from the past. It wants us to appreciate the past and bring new enthusiasm uh, to the same holy tasks that we have uh, carried out in the past. He continues, the very last Jewish grandchild stands there before God with the same mission of life that his first ancestors bore, and every day adds to all its predecessors in the whole passing of the centuries his contribution to the solution of the task given to all generations of the house of Israel. And he concludes, the Jewish today has to take its mission from the hand of its yesterday. Very profound uh, lesson uh, that refers says that we must learn from the practice of Terumat Hadeshin, which began every single day of uh, offering in the uh, Mikdash, in the sanctuary. I thank you very much for uh, joining me uh, for this uh, exploration of Parashat Sav. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom. <laughs>